Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, episode 257, August 30th, one-year anniversary of Teddy Bridgewater's knee injury. Not a happy anniversary. Good to see Teddy doing well. It's Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels on the program Plenty to talk about today. Vikings preseason game number four is tomorrow night. So we'll talk a little Dolphins. We'll talk a little Vikings. And the theme of the last couple days for me, Sage, has been Houston. You know, yesterday we had on a guy, the Locked On Texans host, who I think you've spoken with before um, on his show, Robert Land. And he's basically in his apartment. He can't leave because of the flooding around him. And talked to some Vikings yesterday who've got ties to Houston and they've got family affected by this it really is a harrowing harrowing situation the rain's still coming down and and I know you played there for for many years so you've obviously got a lot of connectedness to Houston you're probably seeing some of these sites and saying oh I know where that is right yeah I'm seeing some of these obviously the interstates and even some of the neighborhoods I recognize I I saw a video of uh, looked like a bunch of teenagers 15 16 year olds driving a boat uh, down a street that was probably no more than oh, eight or ten blocks from my house. And it looked like the, uh, looked like the, the water was up to about the, about the windows of the main first main floor. So, you know, three, four feet high on that main floor. So I did talk to one of my old neighbors yesterday, and uh, the water had gotten really close to his, uh, his front door. I mean, it was, it was crawling up the steps. It was probably three or four inches from spilling into his uh, living room basically, and then it subsided uh, yesterday. So uh, that that's good news for for that neighborhood. But other neighborhoods, you know, it, it hasn't been very good news at all. So and I, and what's going to happen when some of these, some of these levees break, or or some of these uh, uh, they release some of the water from some of these uh, reservoirs and things like that. And it, as you said, it's continuing to rain. So it's a bad situation. I'm not sure if it's going to get better anytime soon. Right. They're talking about 50 inches in Houston by the time it's all said and done. And yesterday I, I talked to Avian Collins, who's an undrafted rookie free agent, probably won't make the Vikings roster, but he's from Houston. He said that his dad, who's an old track star at TCU, his dad's house is basically entirely underwater. So his, his dad is evacuated. His house is probably destroyed. His mom, who who's divorced from his dad, lives uh, nearby in Missouri City, and that house, like the water's kind of creeping up to it because the, the, some of these floodwaters are still actually rising. You know, this thing isn't really going away. It's just hovering over Houston, drenching them, and the city's plumbing and drainage, it just can't take it. And I think, and maybe you can shed some more light on this, Sage, the city is already susceptible to flooding, right? Yeah, I mean, I, the city is basically built in a swamp. Uh, and the reason Houston is where it is uh, you know, Galveston back in the old days was the original, you know, sort of oil boom town. 
but then hurricanes kept hitting it, and so they decided to move uh, move the city inward about 45 miles. Uh, and so that's sort of, from what I recall, that's why Houston is where it is. And it's basically in a swamp. I mean, it's fairly flat. Uh, they have to they they have to uh, dig out a lot of these uh, sort of um, waterways uh, to help when it does rain. Uh, so it doesn't, you know, flood streets and things like that. So it's it's a place that's sort of naturally an easy place to flood. And as I said, especially the fact that it's flat. Uh, you know, once the water gets to a certain point, it will, uh, you know, go onto the streets and 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 just keep going. It's not a it's not a hilly hilly city in any any way that sort of keeps the water in certain areas. So it's uh it's 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 the worst type of city to get this type of rain activity. Yeah, it's a pretty devastating event for sure, and it's frustrating and, and helpless, too, for a lot of football players. Some of the Vikings are saying, well, even if I was able to fly down there, I probably wouldn't be able to get home because there's so many flooded highways and back roads, and there's just really no way to get to transport yourself around there right now. So thinking about the people in Houston for sure, and I know that's a place uh, near to you, Sage. So we're all hoping that works out for the best and, and the flooding eventually will subside here in the next few days. From a football standpoint, Vikings-Dolphins tomorrow, preseason game number four. Uh, we talked on Monday that we think the starters probably wouldn't play, but maybe should play. And then yesterday, Mike Zimmer hinted that there might be some starters playing. He said that in light of what happened Sunday, he wants to see a little more. So uh, I don't know if that's going to be everybody. I, I would assume a guy like Sam Bradford maybe wouldn't play. I feel like that'd be foolish. But the offensive line, maybe. The secondary, maybe. Uh, we'll see what they do. But that would definitely be a controversial thing if someone were to get hurt. Yeah, and, and most of the time, starters don't play in that fourth preseason game. Occasionally, there's still uh, some sort of competition for uh, for a spot in a starting lineup, and so they might play a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think... Zimmer has to be uh, d- d- disappointed uh, that the offense just has not scored points, not scored that many points, not scored touchdowns. And, uh, and you, you know, you don't expect great things in every preseason game. But you, uh, you like to think that over the first three, your offense can get in the end zone a couple of times, and, and they haven't done that. So um, you know, we'll see what they do, and, and if, if he, he's going to risk injury, and that's not – that's the thing is it's you're like possibly making a bad situation worse by playing these guys more in these preseason games. I don't think a fourth preseason game is really going to help the problems with this offense. They they have deeper problems than that, and I don't think playing a guy or a couple guys in a couple quarters or even the whole offense in a half against a bunch of backups, uh, other than to give them some confidence, I guess, which that's not really confidence because you are you know you're playing against a bunch of backups. So um, I don't know if it does not really any good to play anybody in the fourth, in the fourth preseason game. Early in your career, maybe when you were with Miami or Washington, did you ever go into a fourth preseason game thinking that you had to perform well to make the team? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely at certain times in my career. Now, I will say, back in those days, um, most, at least the teams I was on, everyone was keeping uh, keeping three quarterbacks all the time. There really wasn't much discussion of only keeping two quarterbacks and then putting, say, me on the practice squad. It was sort of a three-quarterback league. So being that I was a third guy, I felt fairly comfortable. But, yeah, every time I stepped on the field, whether it was practice or games, when you're a backup, when you're a number two, number three quarterback, 
you always feel like, you know, you got to perform today. You got to perform at this practice, got to perform at this preseason game, um, or else if you don't, you start looking bad. You know, you know people start uh, thinking you're not good enough to play, and you're, you're quickly out the door. So, you have, you know, as I always say, you're you're on a bus. When you're in a football team, you're on a bus. And, you know, starting quarterback, you're in the front of the bus. And the best players, you're in the front of the bus. But when you're the backup quarterback or, or the third-string quarterback, you're near the back of the bus. And when you're the back of the bus, that means you're near that back door. And they will very quickly open up that back door and kick you out. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. And you never know, Taylor Heineke could be playing for a spot on the 53-man roster on Thursday as well. He's got a little bit of a rib issue that I think he's playing through right now. Obviously, the team had to like what they saw with his comeback on Sunday, and I, I bet he gets a lot of time on Thursday, probably a little bit from Mitch Leidner as well, the fourth-string guy from Minnesota. And they're taking on the Miami Dolphins and Jay Cutler, who I would not expect to see on Thursday through two games. He is 8 of 14 with one touchdown and no interceptions. Jay Cutler in Miami, I can't remember if I've gotten your take on it. I think I have. I think he, I think you've, we've talked about how he and Gase have had a really nice partnership in Chicago, and, and they're trying to get that to extend to Miami. Do you think that Cutler is an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill, on par with Ryan Tannehill, or, or maybe a little downgrade? Well, he's probably an upgrade as far as experience is concerned. I, mean, I think Tannehill is still about – Oh, what, 28 years old or something, and, and Cutler is 35. Um, I'm not sure if he's an upgrade or not. I, you know, in games where you're losing in the fourth quarter and you're down by a touchdown or 10 points, I think Jay Cutler might be an upgrade because he's got all that experience. He's a guy that can sort of bring his team back. I'm not sure if Tannehill has that type of ability as a quarterback. Uh, but over the course of a 16-game schedule, you know, is Cutler going to win more games than Tannehill? You know, I, I don't know. Nobody. I, I think they're probably they're probably about the same, to be honest with you. But as I as I, we talked about this before, I, I wrote an article. Oh, whenever that trade or whenever that I shouldn't say trade that pickup happened, um, that one the the, the the Dolphins were very very lucky. They didn't have to trade uh, anybody. They didn't have to give out a huge 20 million dollar contract to get. A legitimate starting quarterback, uh, and Jay Cutler is a legitimate starting quarterback. So they were very, very lucky. Uh, and the fact that Gase and Cutler have uh, worked well together in the past. Um, I've got this thing with Jay Cutler. I sort of felt like you know, early in his career, he was out in Denver. Uh, they had a, you know, a very good team, very good offense. Mike Shanahan was, was his coach. Um, and then when he left, uh, and, and then Cutler ends up being moved to Chicago because Josh McDaniels didn't want to work with him. I always felt like once he got to Chicago, he didn't like his offenses that he was in, whether they weren't as detailed, uh, they didn't fit his, uh, his, his, his abilities, uh, his, his strengths. Um, they didn't, you know, Mike Marks, they were dropping back and he was getting sacked. There were, you know, linebackers running free. Um, it didn't seem like the, the offenses had those, that, that great detail that those Shanahan offenses have always had. And I always felt like he was probably a little disgruntled for a lot of those years. Then finally Adam Gase comes along, and here he goes. He actually plays really well. It seemed like there was mutual respect there. 
Gase was very well respected around the league. Peyton Manning absolutely loved him. So my guess is Cutler really liked him as well. However, Gase coaches and it sort of you know regrew a spark uh, in in him to 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 play better football uh, and to play higher level football, and he did. Um, so I think that's the that's the uh, the upside with him uh, in Miami is that you know if Gase got a lot out of him two years ago. This is a much better football team in Miami than what Chicago had two years ago. So uh, Cutler does have a chance to play good football this season. Yeah, people have to remember this is a playoff team, the Miami Dolphins. They played the Steelers last year in the wild card round. They lost by quite a bit, but Adam Gase maximized the, the team last year with Tannehill, and I think having the rapport he does with Cutler can definitely lead to some good things this year for the Dolphins. Now, we're probably not going to see much Cutler, probably a lot of Matt Moore and David Fales on Thursday. But it'll be fun to watch that Miami team going forward with a lot of good offensive pieces with Jarvis Landry and Jay Ajayi. I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. Here's my favorite Dolphins nugget. This is an article I'm just looking at now. Ndamukong Sue is officially the Miami Dolphins' second-string kicker. Head coach Adam Gase revealed to reporters earlier today that if starting kicker Andrew Franks were to go down with an injury, Sue... The team's beastly six foot four, three oh five pound defensive tackle would take over his duties. Have you ever seen a defensive lineman kick? Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to think back to my career. I feel like I had uh, a, there was somebody on my team somewhere in my career that was like a three hundred pound offensive or defensive lineman, but they grew up playing soccer and they were actually pretty good. Uh, at kicking field goals or punting. I, I can't remember. I'm too old now to remember where that was or who it was. But somewhere in my career, there was some big 300-pound man kicking. I think there were punting spirals, if I recall. Uh, so maybe it was more punting than, than kicking. Uh, I, I ha- So I have seen it before. And it's not a surprise. Sue is quite the athlete. He probably you know grew up playing soccer and, and things like that as well. I remember seeing Vince Wilfork doing some place kicking on Hard Knocks a few years back, and that was maybe the most entertaining scene of all time. Vince Wilfork, just a mountain of a man, uh, actually pretty good at it, too. I think he was kicking 30, 35 yarders. Well, since we're talking Dolphins and and strange kickers, uh, 2005, uh, week 17, I'm, I'm playing in Miami. Nick Saban's our head coach. Uh, I believe at the time we were, we're eight and seven. Uh, if we're nine and seven, we don't make the playoffs. So uh, the game really didn't mean anything. We're playing the Patriots, and uh, and and they're already you know they have 12 wins or something like that, 13 wins. They already have a first round bye and the whole thing. And at the end of the game, they trot out uh, for an extra point. They trot out the great Doug Flutie, and they snap it to him. He's about 10 yards uh, deep. So at that time the the extra point was what at the two yard line. So he's standing about the 12 or so. And uh, they snap it to him. He drops it to the ground, drop kicks it uh, through the uprights for for uh, an extra point. And that was the, I believe, the last play of, of his career. So uh, <laughs> I saw that on uh, uh, a football life field at NFL Network. They're talking about the the career of Doug Flutie, and and that was sort of the cap of his career. And and I was one of those guys on the Dolphins sideline who was thinking to myself, that is awesome. Like I thought it was like the coolest thing ever, even though the fact that we we're probably gonna probably going to lose. I thought it was amazing. But uh, uh, most of the team wasn't very happy. Most of the coaches weren't happy. They thought it was like a slap in the face. And I was like, I don't know. I thought it's the coolest thing ever. Flutie's from Boston and played at BC and 
gets to, you know, he was always one of these sort of gym rat guys, and, and he always loved doing that before games, drop kicking, and there he goes, goes at the end of the game. Uh, doing it in a, real, in a real game, I thought it was a pretty cool deal. And then uh, they carried him off on their shoulders with the crowd chanting, Flutie, Flutie. <laughs> Right? Is that how it went? Probably. Probably. Flutie Flakes. I think I saw a movie about that. Last one. You're doing some color commentary. Is it Thursday or is it Saturday for Iowa State? Uh, They play Saturday. They play the Northern Iowa Panthers. I actually drove over to Ames yesterday, went to practice. Uh, They've got a pretty talented football team this year. Matt Campbell, our head coach, he's only 37 years old, and he has done an unbelievable job of recruiting. You You know, in college football, it's hard to take you know, an 18-year-old and immediately make him into a good player. So they've got a lot of really good freshmen, redshirt freshmen, true sophomores who are, who are very talented, more talented than we've had in a while at Iowa State. So I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year, but they definitely have some talent. There was, there was a Miami Dolphins scout there yesterday, and, and he and I were talking. We have three receivers on the roster who uh, have total NFL bodies. I mean, 6'5", 6'6", uh, 220 pounds, 215 pounds long, lanky, NFL-type receivers, and we haven't had that uh, since forever. So it's uh, it's going to be exciting to call the game. They lost to Northern Iowa last year, uh, an FCS school. Um, we keep losing to Northern Iowa's and, and North Dakota State's and those schools, and, and uh, so hopefully uh, my Cyclones can get a win. Yeah, good luck to them, and hey, don't pull a Jay Cutler. Honor your commitment to be the color man. You know, at least do one game before getting called back to the NFL. Don't string him along, all right? Yeah, I will. Uh, I, I'm, I'm researching all week, so, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the Panthers are always a good team. A lot of Iowa kids just in general. It's sort of a state of Iowa game. You know, obviously Northern Iowa has a ton of kids from the state of Iowa, too. So that's one of those deals where you don't really hate the opponent. Uh, you sort of root for them, too, because they're a bunch of local kids as well. And, and uh, But, again, hopefully my Cyclones get a win, uh, but we shall see. All right, sounds good, Sage. We'll talk to you again on Friday and rehash whatever occurs on Thursday night with the Vikings right. and the Dolphins. Sounds good. He's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes or Audio Boom. Leave a rating, leave a review, follow on Twitter at Sage Rosenfels18 at Sam Ekstrom. Back with you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.